Good afternoon, KPFK and your very own radio at 90.7 FM, all over Southern California. Out of Santa Barbara County, heard at 98.7 FM, and of course streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Hi, hello, howdy, Michael Benner now, with Intervision till 2 o'clock this afternoon, Intervision Friday edition, a program about spirituality and health, about philosophy about metaphysics and self-realization, going to the deeper issues, really, far beyond religion or comparative religion, beyond most philosophies, actually, to the uh, harmonizing and unifying concepts of humanity and civilization, what's left of it, (laughs) or what's becoming of it. Today, we're going to do what I think is a fascinating topic, and I hope you can hang around a little bit. If you're at all like me and interested in the study of consciousness through comparative religion or philosophy or spirituality free from religion or or, uh, just getting a a better sense of who you are and uh, how difficult it is in this world to feel comfortable in your own skin, you've probably wondered about the relationship between consciousness and conscience. Now, conscience is a word that you don't hear too often. I, I, I don't think most people are even sure how to spell it, because the spelling is sort of funny, too. It's, it's like uh, the word science with C-O-N in front of it. Conscience. 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 And it's possible to spend a lot of money at, uh, you know, the Bodhi Tree or the Psychic Eye or the Alexandria 2 or Amazon or wherever you buy your self-help and personal improvement books, reading all about consciousness and never really run into the word conscience, and yet everybody's got one. And if you don't have a conscience, well, then you're in big trouble. If you don't know right from wrong, usually you end up being uh, diagnosed at some point as a a psychopath or a sociopath. There's some question about whether the leaders of our federal government right now are in fact sociopathic and that they just lack the ability. It's not a matter of unwillingness, perhaps. I'm not sure. 
Sometimes I wonder myself, is it ability, is it willingness or ability to, to Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, company, these neocons? Is it that they overlook their conscience, that they ignore uh, the difference between right and wrong, or is that they just don't care? Are they sociopathic? And what is conscience and its relationship to consciousness, but also to concepts like uh, integrity or um, authority? What is authority? Are you the author, the authority of your life, or is there another authority out there? I always like the Timothy Leary quotation, think for yourself and question authority. Well, that was uh, a challenge in the 60s when he said it, and it's even more of a challenge now, I think. Think for yourself, what? And question authority? Well, you're damn right, you ought to think. <laughs> How do I do that? And, and where are you going to find programming about it? Well, Obviously, you've come to the right place. KPFK is a good place to find radio programming about the meta-programming or the mental programming that we've all suffered that says, no, 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 do not think for yourself and do not question authority, mister. You better do what you're told, ma'am. Yes, that's right. This is the law. These are the rules, and you better behave. Now, I have a guest that I'm going to introduce to you in just a few moments or have a couple of opening announcements, but we're going to, we're going to go deeply into this whole idea, especially in the context of the U.S. military, where women and men, in order to defend democracy, freedom, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, give up all of those very protections, have no freedom, have no protection of the Constitution, uh, lose all of their rights as enumerated in that all-important document, the Bill of Rights, what an irony, and have to do exactly what they're told to do. Now, if a U.S. military person follows an illegal order, they can be court-martialed and thrown into prison for following an illegal order. But if they don't follow an order they believe is illegal, immoral, and unjust, they can still face a court-martial and be thrown into prison. Sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of a thing. And increasingly, under the Bush administration, part two, we all face that problem because habeas corpus is going away and... Uh, you know, we have now no vetoes. We just have a president that uh, uses signing statements to let us know what part of the law he agrees with and what part of the law he'll just ignore because, after all, he's the decider. So we have some real challenges here, and, and I'm going to introduce my guest in just a minute, and we're going to talk about the case of U.S. Army Lieutenant Aaron Watada, who's in big trouble because he refuses to follow orders and go fight what the vast majority of Americans see as an illegal, immoral war based on lies. He's in, a, he's in a tough position. And then, as I said before, we have these others, Lindy England and others, who at Abu Ghraib did what they were told to do, and they're in prison. I don't see Donald Rumsfeld in prison, or uh, Alberto Gonzalez is not in prison for writing the opinion that said that 
We could ignore the Geneva War Accords that America can torture. Um, Bush and Cheney aren't in prison. Not yet. They don't seem to have a conscience. And does America have a conscience? The difference between right and wrong. That's my topic today in the context of Lieutenant Aaron Watada's case, and we'll tell you all about it as we introduce uh, our guest here in just a minute. First of all, I want to call your attention to a couple of things that uh, I keep meaning to mention, and then I get in here and I get excited and I forget to talk about. And uh, that starts with the podcast of this program, which is absolutely free. Now, as of a couple of months ago, KPFK at its website, kpfk.org, began archiving, well, if not all of the programs, I think certainly many uh, or, or most of the programs, including this one. So for 90 days following date of broadcast, you can go to kpfk.org, click on Audio Archives, and find this program and about other programs that you really like, and either listen to it streaming from the KPFK website or download it onto your computer and listen to it at your convenience that way. And if you're set up for podcasts, it's even slicker. You don't have to. You just visit the iTunes Music Store or my website and uh, a single click and you get a free subscription to a podcast that gets updated weekly. And uh, it's fun and easy. And again, for now anyway, free depending on just how many hits we get. So know about the podcast of Friday Intervision and so many other great KPFK programs are also podcast. Uh, so visit kpfk.org if you want to listen to this program up to 90 days after the date of broadcast, either downloaded into your computer manually or streaming from the KPFK server. And if you want the podcast, just go to the iTunes Music Store, type my name, Michael Benner, into the query box, and it'll pop up. Or you can go to my website, theagelesswisdom.com. Also, at the bottom of the very first page, the so-called home page, you'll find a discussion group for listeners of this program. We call it the Benner News List. It's been there for... Uh, let's see, eight years. I think we're in our, our ninth year, believe it or not, as an online discussion group. And uh, there's also a blog that you can go to, intervisioncomments.blogspot.com, and you'll find the link to that and the discussion group on the bottom of the homepage at theagelesswisdom.com. It just it blows my mind, the, the hits we're getting from all over the world, from Asia and Europe and and the Southern Pacific, and it's it's so cool to see the the uh, internet technology and the availability of KPFK to people all over the planet. This program in particular. So know about that. Also, uh, I guess. Oh, I also wanted to mention that uh, I'm going to, as a result of uh, a lot of requests to do telephone counseling and training, I'm going to begin to do that at reduced rates. Now, I'm set up as a not-for-profit. This is not therapy. I'm not a therapist. It's really um, meditation and hypnosis and related skills like accelerated learning, the benefits of a quiet and still mind and expanded consciousness. And uh, because of 
the size of Southern California and traffic is getting worse and worse and people are getting busier and busier, I've agreed to do some uh, telephone work at reduced rates. And that goes for business, too. So if you want more information on that, just uh, check the website or give me a call. And uh, my number, 818, uh, let's see, 569-3017, okay, 569-3017 in the 818 area code any old time. And leave a message, I'll call you back, and the first one's free, okay. (laughs) Let's go to our guest today from uh, Hawaii, from Oahu, Uh, my guest for Intervision today is Bob Watata. Bob, good afternoon, or in Hawaii, I guess, still morning. Still morning here, Michael. And welcome to KPFK in Los Angeles. Thank you very much for inviting me to your program today. Well, uh, thanks for being here, your willingness to uh, to be on the radio with us today and to talk not only about your son Aaron's situation, but I hope we could expand the um, the scope a little bit to this whole idea of who's running the show and I guess you probably heard my opening comments about the nature of integrity and and authority and our women and men in the military face the double bind of uh, court martial and imprisonment if they do what they're told and it turns out to be illegal as in Abu Ghraib or if they don't do what they're told to do uh which is illegal and immoral and unjust um, like uh, Aaron's situation, you're really in a in a bind here, don't you think? Well, that, that's correct, uh, because uh, you know Bush wants it both ways, and uh, here we are in America. And if you say you don't want to commit murder, and you you know say I, I refuse to commit murder, then you're going to be jailed. Now, on the other hand, if you commit murder, you can be jailed. So, you know, this is this is, a, this is a situation which brings us back to um, you know, let's go let's go back to Hitler's time. In Hitler's time, <clears throat> in the early 40s, you had you had a tyrant, basically a, a fascist tyrant that um, said that the Jews, you know, controlled all the money in the world, and that uh, something had to be done to stop that. So they became the the terrorists of the day, and all the Jews had to be jailed and locked up um, because the the Aryan race, the white race, was supreme, and that's the way it had to be. That was that was ordained by somebody, and um, so that, there you have there you have Hitler. Well, today we have a different kind of tyrant, or the same kind of tyrant actually, that believes that there are terrorists. Uh, the Muslim terrorists, the Arab uh, terrorists, the Islamic terrorists, and they have to be stopped. And it doesn't matter, um, you know, who's right or who's wrong. They believe that it's their right for world domination. Um, A number of people have commented that uh, the real scary thing here is that Bush believes he's right, that, that, you know, it was ordained for him to... Dominate the entire world and uh, create the Middle, Middle East free trade zone. But he knows he's lying about <clears throat> Iraq and Saddam being connected to 911 and terrorism in general. I mean, Saddam did a pretty good job of keeping the Sunnis and the Shiites in check over there. 
Well, here, here Bush runs into all sorts of contradictions. I mean, for, for how many years he's been saying, ever, ever since the beginning he's been saying there's a connection between 9-11 and Saddam Hussein. Now, about six months ago, when a reporter asked him after the um, uh, 9-11 study came out as to whether or not he, there was a connection, he says, oh, I never said that. So, you know, he, it doesn't matter wh- wh- whether he's lying or not. He believes well, whatever he says is the truth. And uh, that's that, why we begin to wonder about their sanity, because right. uh, if this is somebody that doesn't know right from wrong, it doesn't even seem to understand that, that news departments keep videotape and we can compare and contrast their contradictory statements. The, the Bush people, Tony Snow and others, they, even Cheney, you know, they, they, <laughs> they seem to forget about the miracle of videotape, that <laughs> we, can, we can catch them in their lies, and we often do, and yet... Um, we catch them in their lives every single day. Well, when you're down to 12%, I learned in school that there's 10% of Americans that traditionally know nothing. So usually polls are 10% I don't know, and then the 90% is divided up this, that, and the other way. So if Bush's support's down to 12%, those are the know-nothings. Well, that's about the amount of people who believe that the earth is still flat. Right, right. About 10% of the people still believe the Earth is flat. Or that the Republican Party has not changed since Eisenhower's day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and yet they, uh, they, uh, they proceed on. Now the talk is about going to Iran. But let's tell your son's story. Your son, Aaron, is a lieutenant in the United States Army. Now, this is a volunteer army, so he knew what he was getting into, or did he? Tell us the story. Well, Aaron joined the army because Bush and company said that there were terrorists all over the place. You recall they're making statements that people should join up so we can go guard the Golden Gate Bridge, that we could guard all the dams and everything, and people should, you know, join up to to, to help their country. Uh People like Pat Tillman, remember, uh, the football player, sure. Aaron, and, and many. In fact, I got a letter of the day from somebody that uh, said that he had joined up, uh, you know, right after 9-11 with, with the thought of going to Afghanistan. And then he was put into Iraq, where there were no terrorists. And, in fact, we all know that um, the the invasion of Iraq was planned on the the starting Starting for the planning started on the day that uh, George Bush came into the presidency in 2000, and so that's right. The Treasury Secretary O'Neill said that uh, days after inauguration and, and, and months before 9/11, they were planning the overthrow of Saddam. That's correct. Yeah. And so 9/11 was simply used as a pretext. Here it is. Uh, okay, so somebody bombed the. Um, World Trade World Trade Center, and so let's go bomb Canada, <laughs> because the, 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 these people came from Canada. You know, they flew in from Canada. Uh, that's how absurd it is to to uh, attack uh, Iraq. Now, now remember, we had been attacking Iraq for almost eight years. Right. Systematic bombing of their water system, systematic bombing of their electrical grids systematic bombing of their medical facilities for eight long years prior to March 2003. So they were a devastated country when we began. They had no way they could 
attack us, attack Israel, attack anybody. And yet, you know, Rumsfeld said that they were a dangerous country, and, and Cheney said they were a dangerous country, and so we had to attack them. Uh, Michael, a, a well-armed Boy Scout troop could have knocked over Saddam Hussein at that stage. You know, we hear about uh, the same thing about uh, al-Qaeda. Uh, Bush says we got to fight them over there before we fight them in our own streets, but... I heard this in the Vietnam era. You and I both go back to the uh, the domino theory of the early 60s. We oh, remember yeah. being told this. behind every, every uh, tree. Yeah, and so the Viet Cong were going to invade us in their sandpan navy, and I guess the, the fear is al-Qaeda's got so many battleships and nuclear submarines now. Uh, and the same thing with Iraq. They, Saddam had virtually no military at all, no air force, uh, hardly any kind of military presence. Uh. Hardly any military. They had no defense system. And uh, even Secretary of State Powell knew that it would be, in three days we could completely take over their country. With shock and awe. Without even shock and awe. On the cheap with too few troops but lots of equipment. So did Aaron... When did Aaron begin to realize that uh, that there was a disconnect between terrorism and Iraq? Well, he joined up in uh, March 2003, right right before the invasion. And, uh, of course, he went through training and became an officer. And he was in Korea for a year. And he came back in the summer of 2005 and was assigned to a striker brigade at Fort Lewis, Washington. And, of course, as an officer, he knew he had to study up on what was going on in Iraq because this is the place he was going to be telling his men that they had to go in and die for their country. And as he began to study what was going on in Iraq, he realized that there was there were no weapons of mass destruction, there was no terrorists over there, so he was going to be telling his men that they were going to go be dying for, what, oil. Oil for Halliburton and Cheney, and he says he could he couldn't lie to his men. I mean that's why we were there, and you know gradually as the months uh, went along, he just realized that this is something he could not do. I mean, here here he sees somebody murdering being murdering murdered on the streets, and he was not going to participate in that murder. So was, was he reading? Simple. Where did he get this, Bob? Did he get it from you? Was he reading books? Did you get it from him? Was he listening to Pacifica or reading The Nation? I mean, uh, how did these guys finally figure this out? Well, and I think mostly it was uh, just studying and reading on his part, because I remember he would, he and I would have discussions on the on the phone about, you know, what was going on in Iraq and so forth, and he was getting very upset. And um, uh, I kept saying, well, it doesn't matter, you know, this is this is the way this is the way the, the way it is. They they lie. The government lies, but you know. Uh, you just go over there and, and um, serve your 12 months. But he then started telling me things which I couldn't believe at the time, but I read myself, and I you know, I educated myself about what was going on in Iraq. And uh, uh, I've I read a half a dozen books now and you know, hundreds of hours of um, Internet <clears throat> sites. And, 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 you know, I get a very good picture of what is going on in Iraq, what is going on with Bush, what is going on with the the world, and uh, it's, it's it's something that Aaron has come to the realization that 
One, he could not go over there and continue to participate in war crimes because he could be prosecuted for it under the Nuremberg Tribunal. Uh, he could be, uh, and, and he was not going to send his men. He was not going to risk the lives of his men uh, for for no reason. You know, uh, he was at Fort Lewis and he saw just too many uh, units coming back without men, and he saw what it was doing to their families and. You know, you're willing to sacrifice your your life for the for your country, but uh, these people who were dying, young men, young men and women who are not coming back, they were not dying for their country. They're dying for oil and the resources of Iraq. And um, you know, the, the the big lie, the big big lie by Bush and, and and Cheney. And and my son just simply says, I I cannot do it. You know. Uh, and uh, you know, we talked about the, the the consequences that he would he would be jailed and so forth. And he says, you know, he says his conscience tells him that that it's better to resist and not go uh, rather than participate in killing more innocent men, women, and children in Iraq. I know it's our word for the day today is conscience. We don't hear much talk about conscience, uh, even those of us who are interested in expanding our consciousness. And as I mentioned at the top of the program, there's certainly lots of reading available, programs like this on KPFK that are dedicated to the development of consciousness or or awareness. Conscience is a subset of that. And there's very little discussion, even in so-called New Age or spiritual development fields, about the nature of conscience that inherently human beings know right from wrong. Uh, Have you you and Aaron talked about specifically conscience, a matter of conscience? Well, uh, well, of course, his website uh, uses that phrase, a matter of conscience. But, um, you you know, you go back to Gandhi. Gandhi uh, used the word a lot. Uh, because you know many of the Indians uh, in, in, in that age in that age were were not able to read and so forth. So he appealed to their conscience, you know, about what what is right, what is wrong. Uh, was it ordained that the British, you know, control the minds and lives of all the Indian people? And uh, Gandhi said, No, it's not right. It's not ordained and. In this day and age, at that time, you know, the whole notion of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is in our Constitution, by the way, uh, should be pursued by all men. And and this is why Gandhi stood up. It was a matter of conscience for him. And for my son, it's a matter of conscience. He simply cannot do, uh, participate, as I said earlier, in the killing of innocent men, women, and children. And that's exactly what we're doing in Iraq. It's a massacre, Michael. Uh, Civil rights in this country, the struggle for civil rights, has always, to some extent anyway, revolved around the idea, when it comes to civil disobedience anyway, that I'm obeying a higher authority, that I will drink at the wrong drinking fountain or sit in at your lunch counter or lay down in the street or do whatever I need to do because there's a higher authority here than the laws of men. 
and that those spiritual laws, that spiritual authority, comes not through Congress, but through our conscience, our consciousness, to know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, do you think that we're at a critical period here with uh, people beginning to examine the idea of a higher authority or a personal, even spiritual authority that is available to each of us as conscience that we must listen to? Or do you think we're just going to roll over as we've always done in the past and end up uh, being good Germans? Well, I hope, I hope, uh, Michael, that uh, this country has, uh, the United States of America is, is made up of civilized people. Um, I know there's a small portion of people who believe that the earth is flat, but nevertheless, I think the vast majority of us realize that there is right and there is wrong in this world. Um, you know, you hark back to the barbarians of 2,000 years ago, and they plundered, they tortured, they raped, they murdered to get what they wanted. And we cannot allow Bush, Cheney, and company to do the same thing to this country. We cannot allow this country to torture, to rape, to plunder, to murder, you know, just for the resources that the, uh, not, not the rest of us. The rest of us will suffer. It's the rich corporate heads. You know, they're like, it's like the Titanic. They're the, they have the... They have uh, their uh, life uh, <clears throat> lifeboats for them, for themselves. But yeah. the rest of us will go down. Yeah, that's right. They've got their secret underground installations and hollow mountains where they can retreat. What exactly is the status of your son Aaron right now? Where does he stand, given his refusal to, to go to Iraq? Well, he faces six years in prison for, one, uh, refusing to get on the plane, and two, for speaking out about it. There are four charges or four counts against the charge of what they call conduct on becoming an officer because he used words such as the president is, has been uh, deceptive. And that's true, absolutely true. There's no uh, question he, about he that. He said that there are atrocities going on in Iraq. So to tell the truth is, is unbecoming an officer. Yes, to tell the truth is unbecoming an officer. The Army does not want the truth out. I see. You know, I wonder sometimes if this is going to change the military. I mean, uh, I, I, I think about um, those people that have come forth since Korea, since Vietnam, and saying, this is not our daddy's military. This is not uh, the Department of Defense. This is not... Uh, any of the things that we, this is not Uncle Sam, this is not protecting the red, white, and blue from anything. This is a corporate military, increasingly, an adventurous military that does what large corporations say to do, corporations that aren't even based in America anymore, that are multinational in nature, but, but have an influence in U.S. government that Gosh, I, I think now has gone beyond simply influencing government to replacing government. I, I personally think that the federal government of the United States has become a cover for corporate domination of the world. Is that well, too Michael, much? Michael, if you look up the definition of fascism, that's, that's what fascism is, where you have the government 
uh, and um, the economic interests of the country come together and try to dominate everybody else with the use of the military. They're not my economic or, or your economic interests, though. No. I, don't, I don't need Iraqi oil. Um, and you're not going to get any of the Iraqi oil. <laughs> uh, the, this, this, is, this is, you know, some people have said that we should invade Iraq for the oil because it would be cheaper oil for us. Yeah. Well, don't believe that because no. these corporations simply want the oil to control world prices for That's oil. That's right. They want the oil to keep it off the market, not to, to put it, it on the market. market right. Right. To increase their profits or maintain their profits. And domination of the uh, of the oil oil prices throughout the world. This is why they don't want to have, you know, anybody talk about global warming because they want to continue to use the fossil fuels of oil. Yeah, they call it climate change. They won't even call it what it is. Bob, hold on a second. I want to take a, a brief break and then we'll come back talk more about Aaron's situation and how our listeners can uh, help. Um, we'll take some telephone calls, if that's okay with you. Sure. And talk about the larger issue here of who's running the show. Do we have a conscience? And are we in touch with this inner authority, this higher authority that's available to us? Or in the name of freedom and the red, white, and blue, are we going to continue to be uh, sucked into the subterfuge, this idea that all you got to do is wave a flag and we just roll over. And uh, more with Bob Watad, who's with us live today, calling from Hawaii. And uh, I'm sure you've heard about the case of his son, U.S. Army Lieutenant Aaron Watada. And if not, stay tuned anyway, because you're going to hear more about it. Okay, and um, we're at some major crossroads in the United States, and while these are dreadful and horrible times, there's a promise here that's very exciting, too. Stay stay right where you are. We'll talk more about the nature of conscience and consciousness in the context of war and peace right after this short break. Michael Benner with Intervision on KPFK. It's about 25 minutes before 1 o'clock. It's Friday afternoon in Los Angeles. It's still a Friday morning in Hawaii. And with us on the telephone this afternoon, this morning, Bob Watada calling from Oahu. Uh, Bob, you're an American of Japanese descent. Is that right? That's correct. Now, you're not old enough to remember, but you've read the accounts, no doubt, of Manzanar and an American uh, the American government in World War II putting Americans of Japanese descent into, well, concentration camps here in California, for lack of a better. I don't remember Italian Americans or German Americans uh, going into similar camps during World War II. Do you have a comment on that as an American there, of Japanese there are, descent? There are a few, um, few Germans, and, and what, what the United States government did is if there were recent immigrant Germans who, you know, spoke German and all of that, they put them into camps, and they used them in the same way to barter for the exchange of prisoners of war that were in Germany. And there were uh, a small, very small number, probably less than 100 Italians that did the same thing. But not like the massive, uh, well over 100,000 Japanese Americans that were forcibly taken from their homes and put into, as you said, concentration camps, because that's what they were, uh, to be um, for 
for uh, well hysteria. It was nothing but hysteria. Um, but it was for the economic gain of, of, of people in uh, the West Coast. Well, I'm just wondering if you can comment on... We, we, I, I heard a quotation years ago, back in the Vietnam era, that always stuck with me, that America fights... Well, back in the, back in the day, we fought communism with bullets and bombs in Asia and South America, but in Europe we fought communism with Voice of America and uh, propaganda and such. I mean, do you think race is a factor in what's currently happening in the Middle East? Oh, definitely. Race is a factor. Um, You know, I've heard a number of young men who have come back from training. You know, they went to Iraq and everything, and and they were told uh, uh, in training about the, the need to hate the Arabs. And uh, this is a very scary proposition because you have those people in the military who hate, you know, or who are very racist, and uh, they, this is how they train them in, to, to think that the Arabs are less than human. This is where the derogatory terms come from. The, I think the Pentagon's got a whole division in charge of racism and coming up with these derogatory demeaning uh, terms for, quote, the enemy, but it's always an enemy of color. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, um, I always felt that it was a matter of uh, of um, race, and I find out that that's true. Yeah, I'm afraid it is. It's certainly an element even now. Uh, by the way, let's open up the telephones. Brooks is our uh, producer, and we'll be happy to take your calls here. If you want to join those who've already called with your questions or comments, about conscience, about uh, the nature of personal authority, and uh, crazy concepts like integrity. Any idea what that's about? 818-985-5735, 985-KPFK in the 818 area code. If you have comments or especially questions for uh, for me or my guest, Bob Watada, 818 985 Five seven three five. Bob, what is the um, exactly where does Aaron stand right now? You say he's in trouble not only for refusing to go, but also for speaking out about why. Well, he faces a court martial on February five at Fort Lewis, Washington. Um, we had uh, our attorney had put in motions to dismiss the uh, conduct on becoming an officer charge because they were basically uh, freedom of speech issues. I mean, he has a right, even under the Department of Defense directives, to be off base, to be out of uniform, and to say what he wants to say. And there have been a lot of soldiers who have done that. And even if they were successful in that, he would still face charges for refusing to allow himself to be shipped to Iraq, right? That's correct. And I understand Aaron would be willing to go to Afghanistan. Is that true? Well, yes, he said he would. He he had made a, a number of attempts to to be assigned to some other unit, not going to uh, Iraq, but this, uh, was denied at every turn. Are there other women? There have got to be other women and men that feel the same way, some of whom have even spoken up. Is it just the, 
the failure of the corporate media to let us know uh, the potential for mutiny in the Department of Defense? You know, I would I would say that uh, the majority of the active duty soldiers feel the same way Aaron does. Uh, he, of course, is the only person who is speaking out uh, very selflessly, so that uh, you know other he's speaking out for other soldiers. In fact, what he tells me is that hardly a day goes by that on the base some other soldier doesn't come up here, come up to him and thank him for what he's doing. How could our listeners help? Is there anything they could do, a website they can visit, letters they can write? Uh, sure. Uh, we ask all of our listeners, all of your listeners, to go to thankyoult.org. Say it again, Bob. Thankyoult.org. And at this time, we're asking people to write to uh, uh, Lieutenant General Dubik, who nope. is the commander of the base, to, uh, you know, not punish Aaron for speaking out and not punish Aaron for refusing to be deployed to in the legal war. So all that information is at this website you're talking about? That's correct. What's the LT stand for? Uh, Lieutenant. Lieutenant. So it's thankyoult.org. That's correct. And that's Aaron's site. And uh, a good place to to get updated, I, I presume, probably the best way to stay in touch with the because we can't count on the news. No, you can't count on the news too much. CBS, than, uh, NBC, CBS ABC. K. I don't think Wolf Blitzer is going to be doing any special programming on the potential for mutiny in, in the U.S. Armed Forces. Well, you know that there's uh, over a thousand soldiers that have signed what they call an appeal for redress, uh, and a number of them officers appealing to Congress to uh, uh, get the United States out of Iraq immediately. Bob, where do you come down in all of this? You and I are peers. We went through the Vietnam era in the 60s, and uh, we talked a little bit uh, before we went on the air, you and I, about this. But share with our listeners a little bit of what you've been going through. I mean, when Aaron first told you that he was going to sign up, how that hit you, and then as this whole thing's unfolded, this has got to impact you and your wife and your whole family in a big way. Of course, you know, um, you know my background. I uh, was very much against the U.S. involvement in Vietnam, um, and uh, I had a brother that was killed in Korea, where again it was somewhat questionable about the United States being there. But uh, you know, I did tell my son that I didn't think it was a good idea to go into the army. It was not the kind of place that he should be in. But we've also told him that, you know. He's got to make his own decisions about what he feels is right for his life. And it was at that time, as I said, that he felt that uh, he needed to heed the call to fight terrorism. And, of course, you know, that's why he joined, for very patriotic reasons. But it was then that he found, after he got in and he began studying, he realized, you know, we have a president that, that just outright lied to the country. Although the president doesn't believe he's lied. But he's lied uh, about why we were there, and, uh, and and American soldiers are dying for you know not for freedom, not for democracy, not for uh, weapons of mass destruction, not for terrorists. And my son said he just simply could not participate in that kind of war. Given what you and I have seen in our lives, Korea, Vietnam. 
all of the, I mean, my God, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Grenada, uh, Guatemala, it goes, the list goes on and on, and then Iraq one, and now Iraq two, threat to go into Iran and Syria, and the madness just continues. And yet, the military seems to be less and less potent, less and less effective. Uh, is this causing you to be more of a pacifist, or you personally, or have you talked to Aaron about the idea that maybe war just doesn't work anymore? Well, I think I felt that all along, that war doesn't work anymore, and certainly I think Aaron is coming around to that feeling also, that, uh, you know, you cannot resolve conflict by going to war with another country. Um, that's number one. But number two, worse yet, is to, um, you know, invade another country for the resources. Yeah. And that's what's happening. That's what's happened uh, in Vietnam. That's what was happening in Iraq, uh, Nicaragua, and um, <clears throat> which is happening in Iraq. Um, you know, we simply cannot do that as a country, and I think it's a real constitutional crisis. I do too. I think if uh, the, these uh, warmongers keep crying wolf like the story of Peter, pretty soon you get the uh, wait a minute. Are we <laughs> just because you call it a Department of Defense? Isn't it still the Department of War? And uh, you know, I think Americans are beginning to learn the definition of words like hegemony and imperialism and uh, this, this whole idea of. Uh, you know the red, white, and blue. We got to take another look at what that has, what what that's come to represent. I have a note here, Bob, that there was a decision just yesterday um, that uh, rejected the defense appeals of your son that this war is illegal and therefore he cannot be prosecuted. Is am I right about that decision? That's correct. The judge says that. Um uh, Eric cites uh, a <clears throat> motion to basically put the war on trial is going to be denied, that that's a political question and cannot be resolved. But uh, uh, to to our way of thinking, we think that international law certainly still applies. Yeah. Well, let's uh, take a couple of phone calls, if you don't mind. I want to go to Simi Valley and start with Omid. You're on KPFK. My guest is Bob Watada. This is Lieutenant Aaron Watada's dad. Go ahead, Omid. Hi. Uh, I'm a spiritual instructor in Simi Valley, and I had joined the military in 1992 for one month, and then I left. I went AWOL twice. First time they caught me, second time I, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, uh, but eventually, I went back uh, to this to the to the station and uh, talked to the major, and he said, "Yeah, you can get out easily of all the stuff. You just don't belong here, I, obviously." And it's because of the first first lesson that we we, ha- we had in the fourth day was they said that whatever the um, superior officer tells you, you gotta do, you gotta do. And I said, "That's not the, the type of person that I am. I think about it. <laughs> if it's right, I'll do it. If it's not, I won't." And I realizing this, I said, "This is not uh, the place for me." You know. You have a question or comment for Bob? Well, well, yes. Uh, Question. I, I wanted to say that uh, we, as as a, the general public, would would uh, would want to know what, uh, as a cohesive manner, what we specifically need to do to help uh, your son. Excellent. Well, at this point, um, we're asking people to continue to write to Lieutenant General James Dubik, who is the uh, head of the command. Uh, he is the one person that can make a make a difference. 
by uh, uh, either you know dropping the sentence. Uh, <clears throat> Is the information written down somewhere so I could look it up and the general public could look it up somewhere to, to write? Sure, it's, it's on the website. Thank you, LT. Dot org. Um, it's at Fort Lewis, Washington. So, Oma, just go to thankult.org. Got it. Get all Thank that you. info. Thank okay. You. Thanks for calling. Uh, let's go to Long Beach. Jessica, you're on KPFK Intervision. My guest is Bob Watata. Hello, Jessica. Go ahead. Do we lose Jessica? No? Not there? How about Mark in Sherman Oaks on KPFK? Hello, Mark. Yes, I'm here. Cool. Uh, good show. My question for both of you gentlemen is how much of our conscience is actually affected by our political bias in a sense that historically the left and more the really left left have always been against the war. And in France, for instance, in the 30s, right after Hitler got elected, there were some people in government who were more on the right, said this guy is dangerous, he's preparing war. And the extreme left was so against that because some people were wanted to attack Germany at the time, before they built an army. And so how much of, because you have made a bridge saying, oh, but you know, Al-Qaeda doesn't have a carrier or submarine, like they are not dangerous. They are actually dangerous. And if you look at pictures lately of Muqtada's al-Sadr glance, compare it to Gables in the 30s. It's quite amazing. Okay, well, let's get Bob's response, and then I'll respond to that, too. Go ahead, Bob. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to label, just, label it just simply left or right, um, but uh, in, in every society, you're going to have people who, what I call, have the uh, barbarian genes. <laughs> they, they, uh, they, they think that, that they can... They can um, Win by dominating, and you know whether it's basketball or football, they feel that you know just superior power will always win. Right, uh, might might makes right. Um, you're always going to have that, and then you're always going to have people who will say, you know, it's just not reasonable to fight. Uh, I think we ought to. While, while we, you know, while what we we should do is to try to talk things out, whether it's on a children on a playground, uh, whether it's in a debate class, uh, whether, whether it's a conflict between nations. Um, you know, if, 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 if one country wants to dominate the other and get its resources, then, then rather than fighting about it, they ought to talk about different ways that they can work things out uh, so that we don't have that. Which is what always happens when the fighting stops. That's correct. Then the two sides sit down and work it out. So I guess a lot yeah. of us are saying, let's just jump to that part. But it's quite different what, uh, now. I mean, what I'm saying is what is really coming first with us being against the war. I'm against the war. I think Bush should be in jail. Is it really our conscience that affect our political view, or is our political view that affect our conscience? Well, one thing we have to do, I think, Mark, it's uh, a great question that, you're challenging us with here, especially on a program that's about these more difficult philosophical issues. But we need to stay off the extremes of either or, which means if we don't do what Bush wants us to do and fight perpetual global war forevermore, then 
the bad guys are just going to run us over. And, of course, these are extremes, and truth is never found in the extremes. Truth is in the middle. The truth is that, I think, as Bob said, there are bad guys, and usually if you have a small group of bad guys, you call the cops. You don't kill three-quarters of a million people in Iraq, and that's what we've done. We have killed three-quarters of a million people, half of them children. But what for the sake of discussion, then, again, in the, in the early 30s, before Hitler built his army, we have attacked him, and probably like 5, 10 million people will have died, instead of 50 million than World War II cost of 60. Well, George Bush's grandfather, Prescott Bush... Yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. I know okay, that. Well, well, you can't talk about sides, or you can't use pronouns like we, mm-hmm. when the country is divided, and not just into two camps, but hundreds and hundreds of camps. And so if you, and I'm not saying this is the only worldview, but another worldview and a way to meet directly your challenge, I think, is to consider that what we're talking about are human beings behaving badly Mm -hmm. in the White House, in the caves of Afghanistan, in... uh, in Saudi Arabia, who is, to a large extent, calling the shots. They want us in Iraq. Yeah, and no, it's true. You're right. Politically, Osama right. bin Laden drilled George Bush's first oil well yeah, for no, his father. You're right. So how will you deal with the problem right now if you were a president? Well, you deal with it, as I think, as a matter of conscience and consciousness. You wake people up, and you get them off the extremes of good guys and bad guys, spy versus spy, and begin to look at this as a issue of humanity. Mm-hmm. Consider that human beings did 9-11. Yeah, yeah, human beings did Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Human beings are capable of wonderful things and horrible things, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the place to begin to discuss how to change the course of humanity, not to limit ourselves to nations, to ethnicities, to politics, to economics, to good guys and bad guys. I think the biggest mistake we make philosophically is to believe there's somebody in the world called them who is not us. Yeah, no, you, you're right. You're right. So you think well, that not dialogue, about being right. I just want you to give. <laughs> no, no, but you think that dialogue could still solve something when we deal with those two extreme religious and considering the financial interests well, of course. that are at stake. Well, of course. You think so? You well, of course. Do you, so you, do you believe that terrorists don't have children? They don't love their wives. They don't enjoy a good cup of tea. They don't want basically the. The, I mean, what do they want? They want no pornography. They want American forces out of Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. What do they want? Well, they want also stone women who commit adultery. But see, well, so do the Christians in America. Yeah, absolutely. They kill abortion doctors. So and the problem people. is, you've even got me doing it now. I'm using they. You see what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Uh, you're very welcome. Great show. We're almost out of time. Bob, how about a parting shot? Well, I just want to say that uh, we're asking everybody to support uh, Lieutenant Aaron Watada, uh, regardless of the outcome. Uh, the bigger picture, as I had said earlier, is that you know we do have a constitutional crisis uh, ahead of us. And uh, uh, let me quote to you from Abraham Lincoln. It says, "To sin by silence when they should protest makes cowards of men." 
Yeah. And uh, I think that people should wake up uh, and begin doing what they have to do as a matter of conscience to try to right this country. Uh, you know, we, we need to get back to our democratic principles and uh, make certain that they are in action. Well, I... Uh... You know, you, you can call your congressman and tell him that, you know, something has to be done about the Iraq war. Get the, get the uh, boys, uh, get our sons and daughters out of Iraq. They do not belong there. Bob, I, I think heroes come in many shapes and many sizes, and they have many intentions behind them. I think your son is a hero just as much as somebody with completely opposite views who does what they believe to be the right thing. I'm proud of your boy. I'm proud of you and your family, and best of luck to you. And let's continue to encourage everybody to make their voices heard, whether they're in the military or not, to go to thankult.org, and let's stay in touch, okay? Thank you very much, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Sure. Have a great day. Lieutenant Aaron Watata in the Day of Judgments coming up. February 5. So get on that website, get more information, rattle some cages, raise some holy hell, and speak out. All right? The worst thing we can do is be quiet, to hold our tongues. Thank you, LT.org, for more information on the case of U.S. Army Lieutenant Aaron Watada that says, I'm not going. I'll go to Afghanistan, but not Iraq. Hey, Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling D'Angelo for engineering, Brooks for producing, Doreen Key, my wife, for all of her help in producing, Mike Kim for helping us to set up the interview with Bob Watana, and, of course, to Bob and his family. Good luck. That's pretty much all the time we got. We're going to ease on down the road. Have a wonderful weekend. Remember my website, theagelesswisdom.com, and as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Thank you.